Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. Michael Vick here. I wanted to share with you that we talk about an interview in this episode. The interview ends up being in episode three. So if you want to listen to the interview, go straight to that episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, you're listening to The Digital Dude. This is a podcast about digital learning in schools. I'm Michael Vick. And I'm Sam Shropshire. We're former teachers and current digital learning coaches. Technology is powerful. Get on the line and prepare to get plugged in. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Hey, Sam. Welcome to episode two. We made it through one and we're meeting again for episode two. Not enough punishment. We needed some more. Yeah. So how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was good. I mean, what, what, okay, so today is what is today? Monday. So Thanksgiving happened a little over a week ago, a week and a half ago. It was good. It was nice to have a little break. I didn't do a whole lot of work. Did you do any work? Well, sort of. You know, when you get together for Thanksgiving with your family and they know what you do, you're the go-to person for anything involving technology. Right. And so then I have to try to solve every every little problem. So I spent a lot of time trying to make sure the internet was well, trying to fix the computers, trying to fix how the TV was not hooking up with internet TV and watching the Cowboys game. You know, it was, it was, it was some work, but it was okay. I did do a little bit of um, DLCing. We went to... Addie and I went and visited the Bluebell Creamery, and then we went to the Belleville Castle, which, Google it now if you've never heard of it. It's pretty cool. But anyway, we stayed at a hotel down there, um, and I did try to hook up, the, to take the TV off the hookup and put it on my Mac so we could watch a movie through Hulu. Success? It, it was not success. <laughs> well, well, actually, it, it probably would have worked, but the internet wasn't working. So, the, I mean, the fact that the, yeah... La Quinta did not stand for high-speed internet. <laughs> not a sponsor, obviously. <laughs> Yet. We're not turning down any sponsors, though. Right. But a weekend, everything's good. Everyone's waiting for Christmas break now. And, but, I, you know, we're back in the groove of things. I have been kind of impressed that teachers are not slowing down at all. Man, they are full full force, like, yeah. together some great lessons this week. Yeah, they they have been. Okay. All right, so our throw, time to throw down. What is it actually about today? Are you ready? It's time to throw down. Oh, it's about Google Chat, a hot button topic in everybody's mind. And I think it needs to be blocked. There. Oh, wow. I said it. Don't you think we should give some context maybe before you just start throwing in your opinion here? Well, I mean, everybody listening agrees with me. Okay. So Google Chat. <laughs> both the people listening agree yeah. with me. Your mom and that one teacher, they both. <laughs> <laughs> My mom doesn't care about technology. <laughs> Mommy, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> she would first ask, what is a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That's no idea. All right. So Google Chat, online opportunity to virtually message Kind of like a instant messenger back in the day, right? But it's uh, Google's you, version. Did you have an AIM? I totally had an AIM. And Is I can it? tell you right now that if it was not for AIM, I probably wouldn't be married. Oh, really? That's, that's a hot topic right well, there. Well, AIM was big for me, too. It, it helped, I mean, that's where I learned how to type fast, through AIM. I mean, that was, that was it. Damn. I couldn't remember... What was your... I couldn't remember my wife's number after we met because, you know, I didn't have something to write it down or type it on, but I did remember her, her AIM account. What and was I, it? AIM? It's not handle. That's what I keep thinking. It's I not handle. I don't remember. What was it Messenger, called? Messenger? Username? Username? I don't know. What Do you remember what your... 
No, not at all. Oh, that's way too long ago. You don't remember? But I do remember the next morning I sent her a message and I was so excited when she messaged me back. So uh-huh. online messaging, very important. I never knew that story about you uh-huh. guys. That's neato. Yep. Super duper. <laughs> so uh, a lot of a lot of teachers using Google Chat these days because you know when we went all virtual, we need an instant way to message students to be able yeah. to get information quickly back from them because they're not sitting there in front of us. Yeah. Like if all the social studies ICs are on a, on a Google chat and they quickly can like, hey, are you having problems with this program or, hey, what do you think about this standard and you can talk about it. I mean, it's, it's so much faster than yeah. an email. Yeah. And in and, and these examples that we've mentioned so far, none of them have been teacher to student. Have you noticed that in our great examples of how Google chat can be used that hasn't been... Well, I have noticed that we're setting up the context for it. Okay. And so they have and to understand. setting up the context, nothing, nothing positive about students and, and students to students. So if we're going to talk about new learning possibilities and students growing up in this digital age and getting those technology skills, communicating using technology is a big one. And knowing how to use a program or a service like Google Chat is an invaluable skill that students are going to need throughout the rest of their lives. Like, there's no way they're ever going to not go back to communicating digitally. Right. I mean, okay. Full disclosure. In utopia world <laughs> that doesn't exist, I, I do believe Google Chat is highly efficient, collaborative, which is a 21st century skill that kids need. It allows students to be collaborative but it also, re, you know, back to like real world, it relies on students actually caring about the learning more than chatting about inappropriate, or not necessarily inappropriate, but just chatting about things that take them off the thing that they're supposed to be learning about in, in whatever class they're in or, or whatever thing they're studying. And so I think, I think overall, just based off of data, off of what students are saying, very rarely are students using it productively and by and large, they're using it unproductively. This is kind of reminding me of a parenting philosophy that I have. I always, you know, when my kids are growing up and still today, they're seven and 10, if there's something I don't want them to play with, right, or I want them to be able to learn how to use it appropriately, I think just yanking the rug out and pulling it away and taking it away from them isn't really teaching them anything. Like they don't learn any self-control by me taking that thing away. I think you have to keep it out there, allow them to use it, allow them to play with it in order to teach them how to handle themselves around it and use it more effectively. And I kind of apply the same kind of philosophy to Google Chat because if they're not using Google Chat, guess what? They're going to use something else. There's a million other programs out there that they can use, but why not allow them to use something that's school sanctioned, that can be monitored, we can pull reports from it and teach them how to use it more efficiently or effectively. You know, I, I'm almost always on your side when it comes to keeping things open and kind of making sure and teaching children to help self-control and policing themselves. I'm, but I, I just feel like this is a battle that is not worth the fight right now. Maybe, I guess you would say, if it's a school-approved thing or a school-provided service, that it shouldn't be used as inappropriately as it's being used, for sure. Right, right. I do have another point to make about Google Chat. Okay. Last year, before Google Chat was even being used, before we went on COVID lockdown, uh, there was an unfortunate situation 
where a Google slide was started and these um, entrepreneurial students. <laughs> entrepreneurial. <laughs> I know the story. And so that word is not what I've used. I, would, I don't know if it's a good word either, but I just felt like it's saying the big word. Innovative? Creative? <laughs> These students decided who use their knowledge for no good, who yes. use their skills for no good. Figured out that if they hit share on that Google slide and just started typing random letters, that names would pop up from around the district. Right. And they decided, let's just click on every single name we can. And then it became a deal where students were trying to see who could be more inappropriate on the following slides. And it got kind of crazy kind of quickly. So I guess my point about Google Chat is if we take Google Chat away, it's a snowball, right? You're gonna you're gonna take this away. Well, they can still do it on Google Slide, and we're not taking Google Slides away, right? Or, or they can or, they can do it even, on anything. or even email, right? I Correct. Mean, yeah. So yeah, I mean, normally I'd be with you, but I don't like that. Don't do this because it ends up doing these other things too. That is that is such a fallacy of an argument. Don't do this because other things might also end up doing that. It's there aren't they. Right now, we don't have a big a problem, as big a problem with Google Slides. Yes, it happened in that one incident, but it's not as pervasive as it is with Google Chat right now. And I think if we can if we can do something to kind of minimize the problems that are happening with Google with Google Chat, I think we could we should do it. I think we're probably both and, on board that we just need to teach students how to use technology right. the right way. Yeah, and and I I wish that there was enough manpower to actually have people watching and pulling those Google chats and and flagging inappropriate things and flagging things that are off task. Or female power. Okay. What did I say? Manpower. Did I say manpower? (laughs) That is very not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would... uh, (laughs) That is... I I feel like the... Yeah, but you know what happens, right? There's all these inappropriate chats and you get asked to pull. And if you start pulling them, then you're going to get asked even more to pull the chats. And it just starts to become your whole job and you don't get to do... I mean, that's just you. I mean, teachers too, like they're having to... Just like the complaints about, oh, you have to have to ask every kid to pull up their mask about 18 times a day, right? This is get off Google chat about 20 times a day. All right, we're time to go on the daily. Where are we going to vote? Raise your hand if you think Google Chat should be blocked. Oh my goodness, there's like so many more hands up for Google <laughs> Chat not being blocked. It's amazing. Shoot or nothing. No, <laughs> no I, I could go either way, but I just think it's a battle not worth fighting. That's really, that's really the crux of the city. And you know, like a lot of what we do, we, everything we do is supporting teachers, right? In the cl- and helping them do the best in their classroom. And if that's what they want... Give the people what they want. All right. So if Michael's going to try to say his last point, I'll say mine. Oh, God. I think 21st century skills are always worth fighting for. And teaching kids how to communicate effectively online, bam, we're going to get that done. Okay. You use this every day. Here's a tip you may not have known. It's time for On the Daily. Good talk. All right. Moving on. So switching gears, we're going to be talking about Canvas. That's our on the daily topic. And I thought it'd be more fun to call it canvassing the neighborhood. Right. Doom, 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 doom. Hey, let's canvas the neighborhood. Doom, 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 doom. So today in Canvas, we're going to focus on the gradebook. Right. This is a, a tool that is 
It was definitely not used a lot last year because it's kind of a next level tool. You have basically your course set up and knowing where your students are, your sections, and then once you get past that, you start looking at the grade book. I'm going to put grades in and then you, then it becomes kind of a big mess right away because you have, I mean, just let's just take our average eighth grade science teacher, right? They have probably at least 120 students, something like that. But the point is you have all these kids, all these sections, and all these grades. You have every, you have a lot of grades for one nine weeks, the next nine weeks, major and minor. And, I mean, it just becomes a mess of organization. And in e-school, you know, where the grade book actually matters, um, it's they are separated into major and minor. And it takes kind of a lot of work to organize it right, right on the back end, I guess I should say. And so... Basically, you when you create an assignment, you have to click on a lot of drop downs and put it in the right place, and then it lands in the right place. And you have to get to it by per, per class, and it's they're not all together. But Canvas, they just kind of throw it at you like a giant spreadsheet, and then it's up to you to filter it. And so, one of the first things is, as teachers start entering the gradebook that I talk about is how to filter your gradebook. And there's a lot there's a lot of different options. So when you when you go to your course and then you click on grades, that takes you to your your basic grade book. And the first thing I show people is that they click on view and they click on filters and they check on sections. That's the very first thing because that's sections is your synonym to classes, your class periods. And so that will filter it by class period. And that is, that's pretty much, that's how teachers think a lot. You know, these are my first period kids, these are my second period kids. That's when they get their assignments, they start grading all the first period together, second period together. And so that's the first thing I show them is how to do that. But if you look in there, it doesn't take a lot of imagination. You can also separate it by grading period. So whenever you put your assignment, when you create your assignments, one of the drop down menus is your assignment groups. And that puts it in first nine weeks, second nine weeks. That stuff was in there for you already. But you can create other groups. You can make a major group. Like you could have um, first nine weeks major grades, first nine weeks minor grades. And you can put them in Canvas just like that. And if you really, really wanted to get fancy, I mean, you can go and set up your weights in your in your assignment groups to be the same weights that they are in the actual gradebook. Yeah, and some people like doing that because they want it to match identically. Right. Uh, most people, I would say, do not do yeah, that. Yeah, most people do not. And, but I don't and think honestly, a lot of people know it's, it's there. It really. is there. Yeah, most people do not. But I, I honestly had to train my students really early on that the grade that they're seeing in Canvas is not going to be the grade that's in eSchool and that eSchool is still the, the main grade book. That just takes some getting used to, but people are going to get there. Right. Well, I, I mean, I would not... I would love to make like the grade book match the actual grade book in eSchool. I think that would be a nice little goal for a teacher... I think um, so. And by the way, one more thing on assignment groups. Uh-huh. I don't think it's important unless you're making your gradebook match identical to keep your assignment groups organized. I would only use it for exactly what you're talking about, just to organize my gradebook. Some people try to like go ahead and organize all that stuff right. in there, and it just becomes a mess because it's not meant for, right. to be organized. Right. Like that. Yeah, you can organize mo- in modules. Correct. And it, it's a lot easier to do for sure. But uh, yeah, if you're wanting to get it to match, you'd have to you'd have to mess with the assignment groups and do that, and do that function. And I know a lot of, um, well, I don't know a lot, but like I did talk to, Colin, a Cullen County professor one time about it about Canvas, and I did notice that they did a lot of stuff in assignments versus modules, and so I know that's that's one that kind of works in assignments more than modules. 
So did I just DLC you? No, no, you knew that because I just I don't agree with that. Well, I don't agree with it either. But <laughs> I, it is something that was happening. It is interesting. I, it is a I way think, to organize your work. I think it's a less work intensive way to organize, but I think it's worse for the students. Like I oh, think, okay. and you've talked a lot about how you've, you've talked a lot about the end user. Yeah, for uh, yeah, and I, I think for the teacher, it's easier to try to organize in assignments. But if you think about that student, which uh, should be our focus, I think modules is the way to go. Okay, well, just to kind of wrap this part of it up, I mean, there's there's you can also if you have your stuff ne neatly in modules, you can also filter by module, and so those are your those are your filtering options there. Well, and I think one other way that's really important to know that a lot of people don't about filtering is that grading periods. And a lot of people don't know, and I actually learned this at the end of last year, that whenever you tag an assignment or anything with a due date, it automatically puts it in that grading period. And the, the term's already set in your, in your Canvas course, so it knows when the first nine weeks is. It knows when the second nine weeks is. So there's a lot of teachers I work with that they are like, I can't find this grade in my grade book, and, and I automatically already know what's going on. What's going on is they didn't tag it with a due date, which means that Canvas doesn't know what grading period to put it in, and it's defaulted to whatever grading period you're on at that moment, and so you have to change the filter for the grading period to all grading periods, and then you'll see all the assignments, the ones that don't have a due yeah. date, too. That's thrown several teachers, too. If you don't put a due date, it won't show up on the calendar, nope. and it won't show up in your grade book. Yeah. For sure. Those are big deals. That's probably your big tip for the week. Put a due mm -hmm. date on. That way it knows what grading period to put it in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else can Gradebook do, Sam? So one really cool thing is SpeedGrader, and I'm sure you know about SpeedGrader, and you can get to it through the assignment itself. But if you okay. didn't know, we, we could have a whole section on just SpeedGrader, we probably will. which we're not doing. But yeah. <laughs> right now, we're going to show you how to get there in different ways. You're right. So when you go to your Gradebook and you're like, "Oh, I see a little icon sitting in one of those little cells. I should grade that," but you need to actually see what it is. There's two different ways to get the SpeedGrader through your Gradebook. One way is if you hover over your grade and you click on your little three, uh, your assignment and you click over the three dots, you can say go to speed grader right there. Another way is if you see that little icon in your grade book that means something's been submitted but you haven't graded it yet, if you click on the icon and then click on like the little right arrow, it'll bring up some details and one of the options you have right there is for speed grader and you can go directly and see what they've turned in. There's, lot, there's lots of different ways. I mean, even you can, in modules, go to the assignment and get to it that way. Or you can go to your to-do list. Yeah, or you can yeah. go to the calendar. Canvas. Or you can go to the thousand other ways. Canvas has obviously put a lot of architectural detail into their speed grade, and they want you to get there. So one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to tell us about default? Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of a cool feature that's out there. Uh, you know, I know teachers will go in and... Um, Put in 100, 100, 100, 100 on like a, not necessarily a completion grade, but something that was like really easy that everybody made 100 on. But you can just go to, if you click on the dots that next to an assignment in your gradebook, there's three vertical dots. If you click on that, go down to set default grade, and you can just type in a grade and boom, everybody gets that grade. And then the few kids that turned it in late or, you know, missed number two or whatever, they can go in and you can go and adjust those grades. But if, by and large, everybody made X grade, you can go and change the other grades really easily by setting default grade. Just save and clicks, that's what we do. Yeah, and one <laughs> other cool thing about the default is if you did, let's say, put in those few uh, lower grades or higher grades, however it's being set, um, you, whenever you set your default, you can say don't override what you've already put in. Oh, so that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool, yeah. 
take, you know, these are little things that, like, I wish the e-school gradebook... <laughs> I don't mean to bash e-school, because it has its place with its reports and everything, but, I mean, this is... the Canvas gradebook, once you get to know it, I think is a little bit more functional. Definitely. Yeah. So, my favorite, absolute favorite feature of the Canvas gradebook is what I'm about to tell you next, and I don't think enough people use it, or if they did, they would love it. So, mm -hmm. whenever you have an assignment or whatever in your gradebook... If you go to the three dots and you say message students who something magical happens. Already, if you're listening and you're like, what? Go ahead. <laughs> Take a Push minute. pause <laughs> and go check it out and send an email to everybody, kid. To all of your kids that made below or whatever or who didn't turn it in or whatever. Yeah. And it will, I mean, if you keep up with your grading in Canvas, there's no reason not to use this. You want to talk about saving time instead of like having to go through a list. All right, who didn't turn in this? Who didn't turn in that? You can go to message students who say haven't submitted yet, and it'll bring up a list automatically of every single student who hasn't turned that thing in. I mean, it's just, it's automatic. And especially if you have it set to all sections so you can see all your students at once, you can do this for every single class at one time right there. And what's cool is when you type in the little message, it sends an individual message to the students. The students actually think you're sending them a personal message. They don't know that you just saved an hour of not trying to figure out who hadn't turned something in and messaged everybody at one time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And also, just if you're curious, how do the students get those messages? Well, that kind of depends on their notification settings. Default, it's going to send them an email, but if your students have turned on their notifications, like you probably have told them a thousand times to, they're going to get it as a push notification through the Canvas student app. They could get it as a text message if they set up their, their phone number in it. A lot of different ways. Okay, last thing about message students who that I think is just awesome um, is for tutorials. One thing you can set it by is message students who scored less than. And so you can say scored less than a 70 on whatever that assignment, quiz, whatever it is in Canvas, and it'll automatically send a message to every student who scored below that grade. So if you can say, hey, don't forget tutorials are blah, 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 and you're sending a message to that student, you're going to be getting more communication to those kids that need that help and it's going to alert them that they need to come to tutorials. It's really cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. So great book. If you haven't started messing with it, with just a little bit amount of time, it can save you a lot of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Great book's amazing. All right. All right. Well, this is um, episode two. It's a little longer than we'd like usually, but maybe, maybe not. I mean, it just depends on how, how long and extensive our go-downs go. I think it really comes down to that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. All right, guys. Fun talking to you. Bye.